I'm Billy Hollowell, and welcome to the Prodigal Stories Podcast, a show where Trey Goins Phillips and I take you through some of the most powerful stories of the day, stories of hope, transformation, and intrigue. On today's episode, we welcome Dog the Bounty Hunter. Now, he's a guy who hunts criminals for a living. He's also a reality TV star and a Christian, and we're going to talk to him about life, faith, redemption, and plenty more. So with no further ado, let's welcome Dog the Bounty Hunter to the Prodigal Stories podcast. Dog the Bounty Hunter, how's it going today? Good, how are y'all? Very good, thank you very much. We are doing well. You are fresh off the Masked Singer. And my first question for you, you sang Amazing Grace. And by the way, you did an amazing job. Why did you end up choosing that song? Well, I wanted to do a song that represented who I am and what I believe in. And, you know, that's one of the main subjects about America right now. What side you stand on? (laughs) So after negotiating a bunch of, you know, I would call use the word religious songs. uh, They agreed. Everyone agreed to do amazing grace. And just so happened that amazing grace was my mom's one of my mom's favorite songs so uh it was very touching to be able to do that and show you know show off who i what side i'm on the side of the cross (laughs) yeah i want to ask how did you was you've mentioned your mom and that being one of her favorite songs were you raised christian how did your conversion to to faith even come about good question so not that any anyone else has to have a background like this, but my great-great-grandmother on my mother's side was a Christian. The Bible says that when, when back in the day when this part of the scripture was written, men would sit on one side of the church and women would sit on the other. And as the pastor or the rabbi would deliver messages, the women would scream across to husband to the husband and go, Frank, is that right? <laughs> See there, Frank, you should have been doing that, right? So the author of the scripture said, Listen, women need to shut up in the church. But he said, Women need to be quiet in the churches. So for many years, there were not allowed in Pentecostal surroundings and some Baptist for women to preach. So right when uh, people, you know, interpreted it right and then found out the reason that was written, uh, men started accepting women to be pastors, okay? So my great, 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 three greats, my mother would say, grandma was one of those that was, uh, you know, given permission and she was a pastor. So I came from a long line of, I call them prophets because some of my, and my mother was uh all day long her whole life all she did was pray for us and you know we had to go to church or she took the keys away from my motorcycle and you know she blackmailed us and my mother would say it's a fearful thing son to the fall it is a fearful thing son to fall into the hands of a living god you better be careful tonight and i'm like <laughs> oh great. <laughs> so I was raised uh like that, yes. Was there a point for you where 
you know, because obviously a lot of us, I grew up in the, in the church too. Was oh. there a point where you kind of had to own it for yourself where you had to say, okay, I've been taught all this. You know, and we all go through struggles and ebbs and flows, but I'm curious about that. You know, at what point in your life where you were really, really committed to it? Oh, okay. So I was committed and then I thought, you know, God's really busy in Vietnam. So uh, he's not going to care really what I do as long as I say the blessing and, you know, keep God kind of first in my criminal mind. And then after going to prison in the 70s in Texas for 18 months, I realized right then that at the end of this rainbow of crime and all that is not a bucket of gold, it's a cell. And really, how what the day that it really changed my mind, when I was very young, there was a man named Nicky Cruz, who was one of the presidents of the Mau Mau gangs in New York. These guys are killers, right? So Nicky Cruz got saved finally and wrote a book called The Cross and the Switchblade. I'm sure you've heard of that, right? Yep. So my mother, 13 or 14, would, you know, a 13 would put that book down and say, read this. So I skimmed through it. I knew he was a Christian, turns his life around. My mom was doing that. I really didn't read it. Uh, when they put me in that cell, the only book on the shelf was The Cross and the Switchblade. And, you know, I'm not stupid or dumb, and I see things that are more than circumstance. They're the power of God. And I realized right then, oh, no. And then I started uh, acting nice. You know, I, I was, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, uh, how do I say it? I'm an Indian outlaw, okay? So I started acting like I wasn't. The thought came in my mind, I didn't do it, and I did another one. Then I started thinking, you know, what would Jesus do right now in this situation, you know? And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to slap him or something, and I think, you know, Jesus would, you know, not do that. I mean, he wasn't a sissy. He whooped a lot of people in that temple that day with a bull whip, all them grod salesmen. You know, he, he was, he had some, fortitude on him and so I started pretending to be good and all of a sudden I started being good hmm. you know and the thoughts and then I look, look in the Bible recently I found that no matter how good you are and act and be and do you're not going to do that no matter how good you think you are you ain't going to make being good because we're born sinners years ago I knew that thoughts you know that come into your mind, I'd think, oh my God, why did I think of that? I'm not, you know, God, I'm so sorry. And then I looked in the scriptures where it said that those thoughts that come into our minds are common to man. They're not just, oh, you sinner dog, because you looked at that girl, had a flat tire, her legs. Oh Lord, I'm sorry. You know, that's a, that's a common thought to man. So I, I, I realized, wow, there is room for me not being perfect in this thing. Then I started seeing and telling people back in the night, uh, about 1979, when I started Bounty Hunt and I would capture guys and tell them, listen, man, I've been there, done that. You know, I believe in God. I believe that we need together, brother, as convicts, supernatural help. Because we ain't punks. And you know, and all of a sudden I started getting phone calls back then from guys that said, dog, it's my life. And I realized that 
for sure that was my calling at that time was to catch the devil's herd, chase them down, give them the what to, a little bit of hope, and go on to the next one. Now, as I'm getting older, I still like that. We still chase, you know, some of the worst in the country down. But I, I'm not a preacher and never will be, but I have a message. So Francie, my wife, got married in September 2nd. We've been going to a lot of uh, churches and speaking our message. And it's, to me, I'm like, this is impossible how I met her. This is impossible what's going on right now. This is impossible in the world right now. They will not tell you the difference between a man and a woman. This is impossible. I mean, you know, and no offense to anybody. It ain't me, brother, sister, you got to stand in front of naked. It's G-O-D. So this is like, dear God, I'm glad I'm on the side of God and, you know, the forgiving side. But here we go. I mean, we can all see that. You know, but you raised in a church your whole life. You've heard just like me. Jesus is coming tomorrow. He could come through the clouds and I'll be before I die. He'll he'll have been here. Well, that guy and that girl's dead and he hasn't come because the times the Bible says first before he comes, you're going to start noticing the end of the times. Never would our grandfathers, if we went to both all of our grandpas and said, Grandpa, you know what they're doing? Well, great, Grandpa. They won't say who a boy, what a boy or a girl is. And in the first grade, they want to teach our children how to masturbate. Ah! What would our grandfathers do? So, obviously, that was not the beginning of the last of the days. This is the beginning of the last of the times. So, again, I'm glad I'm on this side. And that's what keeps me there is the reality of it, okay? I'm Apache, half free. I have to feel it. I can't just, you know, sit down there and pray and not feel nothing, not get like stoned and lost in the spirit and start crying and start praying. I don't, you can't do that with any other religion. You don't feel not up. My Jewish friends yeah. sit six hours in a day in front of the wall and they pray my Muslim friends it's a holiday today for them <clears throat> they kneel down and pray all day I ask them what do you feel relaxed <laughs> and then I try to where do you get a load of Jesus to Christ bro? you be doing the jig so I know I'm on the right side yeah I mean you know one I think you're you're somebody who's who's bold. Obviously, you're willing to talk about your faith, what you think, what you believe. Uh, and you also, the work that you do as a bounty hunter is incredibly chaotic. I just wonder whether it's uh, in the midst of doing a, a show, chasing somebody down in the heat of cancel culture. How does your faith help keep you grounded? Well, yeah, cancel culture is getting a little weaker. Okay. Cancel culture is losing its grip. And the reason being is finally people say, prove it. And when you go to prove it, there's no proof. Okay. A racist is claims and says he's or she is a racist. Because someone says a racist word or 
a certain subject does not make them that way. We're, we're, you know, people are saying we're all created equal. We're all alike. Okay. Well, the Bible says we're all created equal, but we're not all alike. You can take a guy, let's say from the deep South, that's an alligator hunter and tell that to a stockbroker guy in New York. And he'll think that that stupid hillbilly is the dumbest man he ever met. And that alligator hunter will say, well, that's sissy stock market punk, right? <laughs> when you put them together and you find a subject that they both agree upon, I've done this. The New York guy said, my God, what a friend. The, uh, the Alabama guy said, man, them New Yorkers are okay. You know, they get it. So until we realize that, that's what keeps my faith going, going, going. I got to capture this guy. I told God in the 70s, I'll grab him. You bring him. The warrants that come out, I want him. Guys have told me, I dreamed you caught me. I knew I'd be in this back seat. You want to ride with the cops or me? Dog, I need the ride. I, I'm telling you, you know, I knew that. God was going to provide the guys that he wanted me to grab and talk to. And he did. We've captured down a 43-year span over 8,000 fugitives. And, you know, there's been some that I wouldn't even give a cigarette to, and that has to do with child sex, blah, blah, blah. You know, I that's too deep for me. The Bible talks about when you go after people like that, you better have a lot of prayer and fasting. And I'm not the best faster in the world. I cheat a lot, you know. In the middle of the night, I'll get up and eat cereal. But, uh, That's all of us. That's all, all of us. Hey, can I, Go ahead. can I ask you, in light, of, in light of what you just said, because, you know, we're kind of watching evil in our culture manifest in so many different ways. But you've been working a job for decades now where you deal with evil day in and day mm -hmm. out in the way that it manifests in people. Can you speak to that at all? I'm just really curious cool. what you've maybe learned about evil throughout. That is career. a very good question. Very good to bring that up. Just been thinking about that. So in the 80s, early 80s, you, I think Columbine this, in the 90s was the first shootout where a guy walked in a school, all right? You had, uh, in prison too, we had the, actually the, Chainsaw Massacre guy, that's a true story. I did time with the guy where he cut his mother's thigh like baloney. He told me this story, okay? Guards were around him. They said, don't sit by him. I was too young and dumb and got talked. I met guys like that. Now, one, there were like 10 in the whole Texas prison area. That's it. Today, there's 200 uh, there is crime where a guy walks in, sticks up a bank, hands in the air, right? Takes a lot of guts because you're being filmed. You know you're going to get caught. You take that same bank robber, put him in a room with a baby six-month-old child, he going to rock that baby to sleep. That's, That's criminal, okay? Now, you take the guy that would hurt a six-month-old baby sexually and would do things 
walk in a bank, start blasting. Go home, shoot your wife in the head. That is demonic possession. Everybody agrees mm -hmm. to that. And when they get done, I've captured them and interviewed them. Why did you do that? I don't know. You don't know? Why did you shoot that girl like that in the head? I don't know. Or, and I've captured two of these guys already, sat in the church as they tried to come up to kill the preacher. It just happened to us, me and Francie. I had two big shanks. God told me, jump him. Imagine me jumping him right in front of the altar. All the security's like, dog went nuts. What's wrong with dog? He's beating this guy down. They pulled two big knives. Who are you going to do? The two pastors. So I have seen uh, evil turn into demonic evil, okay? There's always been that one in a while, once in a while demon. You know, the guy that killed all them the gay guy, what's his name? And he killed all them boys. Then they put him in prison and killed him. Dahmer. Okay. There's one or two. There's thousands right now. So evil is progressing into demonic. And they'll say, hmm. God told me to kill that preacher. That's what this one guy said. God told me. Why isn't it that Wisdom of Oz told you? Why don't you pick some other kind of mystical or a mystical uh, God, then you'd say, God, Jesus Christ told me. He came and sat next to me and said, oh my God, I'm thinking, what? Why would you use Jesus Christ? Or Mother Mary, was it holy? You know, and you, you're like, what? Why would? Why don't you say Cinderella didn't have a slipper? Why all, you can see the demonic, right? So yeah, there's more of that happening. Yeah, and you've seen that. Well, wow. We all have, yeah. right? I mean, we all the, have. The, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you know, we we've all experienced some level of of seeing something and knowing that it's wrong or that it, you know, that it's evil. Uh, and you've had certainly a front row seat to it as a bounty hunter. I want to ask just more broadly, did you ever anticipate you would be on television to be a reality star and, and to be doing this kind of stuff as a well, career? I always wanted to be a cop, okay? But I took the right, the left turn instead of the right one at a very young age. I wanted to do that. And then the persona of a bounty hunter, usually that I was raised, I watched The Lone Ranger and by Steve McQueen, Wanted Dead or Alive. And they were bad guys and then turned into law guys, but they couldn't be cops because they're past, but they became deputies or actually bounty hunters. So that fit that in to me uh, a lot. That that was perfect because I had been convicted of a felony in the uh, outlaw motorcycle gang, and that was it. I couldn't be a cop, couldn't own a firearm. That was it. I was done as far as any of those jobs. And the only thing I had to do was, was proceed like 86% of the men and women do, into what I went to jail for or changed my life. Now, about the, uh, sorry, my little phone is going on. About the uh, wanting to be, or did I know I was going to be on TV? Uh, in Denver, this newspaper just interviewed my friend that I've known since we were six. His name's Red. And they said, Red, you've known Dog all his life, haven't you? And he goes, yep. Red's kind of an outspoken <clears throat> very outspoken Republican, right? So 
They said, well, since Dog has gotten famous, has he changed? And Red said, you know what? He's been famous in his own mind ever since we were kids. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so that, I don't know what that's called, but yes, I wanted to get on television. I wanted to be known. I liked it when uh, I hit the front page of my local paper. I liked it when I hit national news. And the reason I like, I boxed for many years, professional boxer. And the only part I loved about it was going in the ring and then winning. And the cheer of the crowd as you go up there and you just start crying and the enthusiasm is all inside of you. I did not like that much to hit someone. I'll threaten and growl. I like to tase them more than I do hit them. But I, I really, but I do not like to be hit at all. I hate pain. I don't like that. So I was like, oh my God, I'm going through all this just to get cheered at. And so that's, you know, that was my persona being young. And, uh, you know, my father, I, I, you try to figure out as you get my age, why you did things when you were younger. And my father, uh, like spanked me like really, really bad pants down against the couch. I couldn't shower in school. I had so many black and blue bruises and really, really bad. And I thought when I was in prison, everybody's dad beat him. And then when I got out and I started meeting these people that, you know, through like pastors and Tony Robbins and Martin Sheen. And do you remember when your dad beat you? And they'd all go, uh, let me think. I think my dad spanked me one time. And I was like, oh, my God, I thought it was normal to be beat. Really, this is the truth. So uh, that had a lot to do with me wanting to be loved. And, you know, the I guess a real man says, if my dad wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't be the man I was today. No, I'd have been a sheriff of some county or, you know, I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have had the disrespect for authority that I had. So my final question for you, just as we round out to a close here, what would you say to people who might be where you were when you were incarcerated, when you were getting out from being incarcerated, where you were at that crossroads of having to make that choice between changing your life or continuing down what led you to jail? What would you say to those people who are there right now? They're faced with that choice and they're really struggling. So there's there's. a combination to success. And as I tell you that, they'll also be, so if you take the other way, you'll be defeated. When I first got out, I only did 18 months. And when I first got out of prison, I was the warden's barber. And I told my mom the first week, I got to go back. Who is so-and-so and Davey and John and Fred and the warden and my guards, mom, who's going to cut their hair? As I slept, my mom put on a recording of the Bible. And every morning when I woke up, I'm like, Mom, why did you? Oh, I don't know why that turned on. Because you said a timer. (laughs) The first thing you want to do is eat a cheeseburger, hot dog, and drink some booze. Booze with booze you lose. I I don't care who, especially my Native American heritage. The alcohol doesn't dissolve in our blood. And white boy, black, same way, does dissolve their blood. A lot of different tribes can't handle it. 
We will do anything. I don't care. I've never, well, I have met some happy drunks and some really, they're not, but 90% of people, humans that drink and start to get a little tipsy will let it all hang out. Back to prison, done. Stay away from alcohol 100%. Then if you want real love, we all convicts like love, okay? You want real love, you go to Jesus. You want real love, you find an old lady in church. A girl, not old, but a girl. You get a girl that when she drinks a glass of wine, maybe once in a while, she ain't going to go out with your best friend. And you don't got to worry about it. And then you don't got to worry about you getting drunk and going to bed with her best friend. So where do you find all these people at? I tried everywhere. I even tried putt-putt golf. Then I went to church. And me and Francie also. And then I met and I asked God, I need a woman. God, you gave Adam Eve. You know how to do that. First prayer you ever answered. Do it to me. You say that you, Lord, are not a respecter of persons. And this works for women too. God gave Eve, Adam. I want you to bring him. But how are you going to bring him, God says? I'm not going to bring him to you in a tavern. Okay, Lord, I'm going to church. And right now I'm going to church because I need love. That is how to stay. I have never, listen, I've never been back to jail. I've been there for kidnapping, you know, and stuff like that until they found out it was legal I did this. But I never, ever been back to jail for a crime in 44 years. And I'm an Indian outlaw, brother, because I go where love is, the church. And I believe that God is there. And I feel him. When I start, again, when I start getting alone or me and Francie, we pray. And, man, I feel it. I get goosebumps. I cry. Oh, I like it. And then when it's over, I'm stoned for like 20 minutes. I'm like, whoa, man, you know, intoxicated on Jesus. No, you know what I mean? So it works. It. Hey, I'm dog. I don't like, again, no flim flam, brother. I want the real deal, like we all do right now. We are being challenged as Americans for the real deal. And it is in the spiritual element. Before we close, let me tell you this. We all know about the demons possessing, and my, Francie doesn't like me to bring up the thing about the little girls, so let, about the demon possession in evil and killing a mother or killing a child. Shooting a 10-year-old kid in the head, right? After you, you just saw that guy do that and shot himself. Now, on the evil side, we all agree that that's demonic. That's evil beyond evil. Now, let's flip the coin. On the natural side, there has got to be, this is great because it's real, a supernatural power of God that is just as strong and stronger than that demonic. Am I right? Right. You are right. Now, there are people, believe it or not, in this country that believe the same way and they are walking with angels. <clears throat> I'm going after those people. I'm sitting next to them. I'm listening to their tapes. I'm meeting them. Because guess what? I want a piece of that pie. Really? And I'm a normal human and I'm you know, everything there is about being, he's a little bit more than I am. 
you know, I, I want more of this, more of everything. And I'm satisfied with that. So I'm, me and Francie are speaking and looking. We've met new friends. And some of these guys, bro, that I meet tell me things. Dog, did you do this today? Yes, sir. I'm glad you did that. I'm glad that I'm like freaked out. Because there is that, if there's that much evil, right? Then there's got to be uh, on the normal side, whether you're Christian or not, a flip side, that much supernatural good. So we're and we're yeah, we're yeah, seeing yeah. that. <clears throat> I always say one more thing. You know, I didn't know the Bible said history repeats itself. I didn't know that till the other day again. History, the Bible said it. No scholar, history repeats itself. Boy, don't read Romans one and two. Uh oh. No, my God, it's like, ah. Uh, so. Well, it makes, you, it makes you realize there is nothing new under the sun, right? I mean, Scripture tells us that there's nothing new. We think all these things are new. They're new to us because we haven't experienced them in this country to date, but we're experiencing them now. The Romans experienced them. These are not new things. And, you know, Doug, I just have to thank you for taking the time today. Loved getting to hear Aloha, your story. thank you very much. So that was Dog the Bounty Hunter. Obviously, you know, Billy, the thing that I'm most impressed with is the fact that he's so open and willing to talk about uh, what he thinks, where he's been in life, how God has redeemed his story. He's obviously known as Dog the Bounty Hunter, the reality star, but it was cool to get an inside look at who he is as the man. You know, what, what did you think? Yeah, no, I thought the same thing. Like we talked about cancel culture. We talked about a lot of different topics that he brought up. Right. Yeah. We didn't even bring a lot of these things up. And that's refreshing because a lot of times when you do these kinds of interviews and you know this because you've dealt with it, it's like, here are my questions. And that's all the person's going to answer. They have a script that they're there to kind of hammer out. And that's it. But that was not the way this interview went at all. And in fact, it was well over a 20 minute conversation. And I thought I thought, oh, we'll probably talk for like 10 or 15 minutes. He I think he would have gone even longer if we wanted him to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And I think his his willingness to be transparent in a time when that's, I mean, let's be honest, that's really risky um, to be transparent with what you believe and certainly where you've been in your past and his willingness to talk about how he grew up and then how he ended up serving 18 months in, in prison himself and uh, where he is now. And I think it's incredible to see really the the abuse that he was talking about having endured as a kid at the hands of his father and now seeing where he is today after having to really figure out what love means. And I think as a Christian, it's, it's refreshing and it's encouraging to see that he's turned to Jesus and he's found Jesus as the proper understanding of love. Yeah. And I think, you know, you look at his story and you mentioned the 18 month in, months in prison coming out of that. And he talked about being at this crossroads. And I think a lot of us, obviously, most of us haven't gone to prison, but we can relate to this. You, you have to make a choice. Am I going to do the right thing or am I going to keep doing the wrong thing? And he was at that crossroads and had to make a decision. And what does he do? He goes on to become a bounty hunter, which is just such a wild career choice. And not only a bounty hunter, but he, a reality star as well. So it, it's a great story. And I love the fact that you kind of see how God was guiding him throughout that entire thing. He talked about his mother mm -hmm. playing the Bible for him, you know, like a recording of the Bible when he went to sleep after he got out of prison. And I thought, man, what, what an important message, too, about the influence we have over others' lives. I'm sure it was painful for her to watch her son, after raising him in the church, go that route, right? But she stuck with him, loved him, 
And it seems like, you know, based on what he's telling us and what we're hearing, he's pretty solid now in his faith. Yeah. And, you know, that is a good lesson about why it's important to set a good example and to pursue God in your own life, because you don't know who around you is watching. Um, Certainly, obviously, she knew that her son was watching, but she didn't necessarily know the positive impact that it would have or when it would have an impact. You know, it took years, um, but he can now, you know, I don't know how old he is, but he can now be looking back and say, it was my mom who played a role in building that foundation. And Billy, I want to ask you about this because this is something, of course, that you've uh, talked about and written a whole lot about is the evil thing and the, the demonic thing and the stuff that he said that he's seen as in his career as a bounty hunter. I mean, what did you, what did you think of that? Yeah, you know, I initially wasn't going to ask him about it, but as we were talking, I started thinking, man, this guy has been with, he, I think he said 8,000 people he's detained. Um, and I thought to myself, man, I've got to ask him what he has experienced. And it was kind of fascinating to hear it. It's what I expected, that he had seen a lot of this evil, but he actually used the word demonic. He talked about very specific crimes that are just so beyond the pale, so horrific, and then his inner his interactions with these people where he would ask them, why did you do it? And they were unable to tell him or they would say, God told me to do it. Uh, that, you know, is just as somebody who has looked at a lot of these things, I'm, I'm always skeptical until I, it can be proven. But I think somebody like that has more of a leg to stand on in what they've seen than most because of the level of it. So that that to me was compelling. And those stories are obviously sad, but I did love what he said about, you know, if there's all this evil there has to be good on the other side of it, right? That mm-hmm. is even stronger and more powerful. And obviously there are lots of debates in the church about prophecy and all these different things, but but people speaking life into others. And and so I, I thought that was a really cool redemptive part of what he had to say. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think that's that's why our the secular world is possibly, probably so hopeless uh, because they see the evil uh, and they can see all the bad that's happening but they don't reconcile it with a with a good and the fact that that there is a, another way and certainly as Christians we know that the the presence of of evil just you know further reveals and confirms to us that there is a good that there is a sovereign god who has a plan who has a purpose who will ultimately and finally uh, defeat the evil and the prince and power of of the world as scripture says about satan ultimately all of that will be vanquished uh, and it's cool to see that he having been at the you know right on the front lines of seeing that evil is aware of that and i'm certain that 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 has to be a sustaining presence in his life, right? Because to see that evil day in and day out can be draining on a person. But when you know and you can see in other aspects of your life that there is good and that there is an answer to that evil, certainly has to be encouraging in his life. Yeah, that was interesting to me too, that that same thought that I had, that this must actually point him back toward good. Mm-hmm. And I do think that a proper understanding of evil does do that because you say to yourself, this is so bizarre so insane, so awful that there has to be a God, right? And that you then realize the solution is Christ to those things. When you see these things happening, Jesus is the solution to it. And so, you know, I think in a world that's so material and so focused on the here and now, we need to talk about these things. And I loved, again, just like everything else, that he was so open and willing to do that on that topic. Yeah, for sure. Well, look, I I know that you and I are both thrilled to have had a dog on the 
on the episode today of the the Prodigal Stories podcast. It was a fantastic conversation. I hope it was encouraging to all of you as it was to us. So that is it for this episode. Stay tuned. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts on Edify, Apple, wherever, uh, so that you don't miss an episode of the Prodigal Stories podcast. 